Welcome to The Mastering Show. This is the show where we talk about all things mastering. We hope you guys enjoy the show. I'm Steve Cherubino, just one of your hosts. And let me introduce now my co-host, the man who brings the knowledge to the show, the master of mastering himself, Ian Shepard. What's up, Ian? Oh, you've done it again. I thought you were going to say, how are you, or how's it going? And I was going to say, it was absolutely spiffing. But I can't say, it's absolutely spiffing to what's up. So, um, I'm fine. Oh, man, I wish I could set you up better. <laughs> we should probably organize it in advance, right? Because it's like... Yeah, let's have a scripted show where we read everything like this. I think we should. That's a really good idea, Steve. Thank you, Ian. What are we going to be talking about today? Okay. Um, so this genuinely is a surprise for people listening. Steve doesn't because we were talking about what we were going to do on this show just before the show. And I decided no, I haven't told him yet. So here it comes. Uh, we're going to talk about not mastering. Hmm? We're going to talk about not doing any mastering. Um, and we're going to come at it from two angles. So the first angle or... Oh, this is cool. I wasn't expecting that. There you go. I like it. Okay, well, hang on. So what do you think I mean? What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say when you're finished with the mix and you like the way it sounds, get it out. Kind of. <laughs> okay. I'm usually <laughs> wrong when I answer your questions. But no, you're, you're not totally wrong in this case. But No mastering. Um, that's, well. that's, that's not... Okay, so, so I'll, I'll put you out of your, your misery. Okay. Um, because I can tell how miserable you are, not knowing. Yeah. Um, so the first one is getting a computer to do the mastering for you, which uh, is using some kind of online service like, uh, I think it's actually, I always call it Lander, but I think it's called L and R, meaning left and right, apparently. Um, so there's Lander.com, there's Aftermaster.com. There, there's a bunch of these services coming up where you upload your files, you pay some small amount that's probably much cheaper than you would pay a real mastering engineer. And almost instantly you get back a quotes mastered version of your song. So that's option one for not mastering your stuff. And then option number two is literally not mastering your stuff. Um, Iron Maiden didn't have a mastering engineer for I think their last two albums but then all of their stuff has been reissued and it has been mastered by a mastering engineer okay um Stephen Wilson who uh used to be in the porcupine tree famously I believe doesn't use a mastering engineer he he does just use the raw mixes like you say so you know I mean let's be honest it's an option right I mean sure when I started it was it was kind of the norm unless you were part of the industry machine and knew what mastering was uh i mean one of the things we would do one of the ways we would uh get work was that people would come to us to have uh records or cds pressed and we would say oh have you had it mastered and they'd kind of go what hmm. um and we say yeah mastered you know the post production process where we do da, 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 and they were like oh, i'd never even heard of that yeah. um and you know then you were in on the you know the kind of the conversation that maybe would lead to them having that as an add-on package to the manufacturing right. deal. When, so, I, when I was a kid in the band, I didn't know what mastering was. Hmm. I, I didn't know what mastering was when I started as a trainee mastering engineer. <laughs> um, I, st I started, uh, you know, I, I thought the company was a cassette duplication facility, which at one point it was. Right. So when they called me up, you know, I, I genuinely had no idea. I was like, it's a studio. I want to work there. <laughs> um, and 
the rest is history. So let's start by talking about these kind of online mastering services. So, I mean, you've heard about them, right? You've made jokes about them before. Do you yeah. know anybody who's used them? Have you used them? Yeah, I know somebody who's used them, and I, I want you guys to reach out to him and tell him what a bad boy he's been. Um, <laughs> I used to uh, run a network of podcasts called Podnuts, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z. And I sold it to a, a good friend of mine, and he took it over and he started doing all the shows, but his ears aren't that good. And uh, he's not an audio engineer, so he does the best he can, and he got his hands on one of these services. I don't know which one. And uh, I tried listening to one of his shows the other day on the network, and it literally chops off the first half a second of everything that one of the guests said or that he said, and I, it's unlistenable. And oh. it makes me sad because, you know, that's like used to be my baby. And uh, I, want, I, wanted it, I want him to carry the torch on proudly. And so uh, go ahead over there, listen to his shows. If they sound bad, write them and say, you, are you using an automated system? Anyway, I don't know which one he's using, and I, it, he might have the settings all jacked up. But um, aside from that, that's the only experience I have listening or using them myself. Well, the only one that I have any experience of is Lander. I'm going to keep calling it Lander because that's what I call it. Um, and that one has almost no settings, at least. I mean, I should say it's been mm, six months or a year since I, I used it. I, I kind of heard about it. Somebody asked me what I thought, and I, I thought, well, I, I give it a try. So I did this test where I mastered a song and then I uploaded the song and, and mastered. There were three settings, that, and it was an intensity setting. There was low, medium, and high intensity. And I think that was it uh, at the time. I don't. They may have added some options since then. Um, you know, Levelator is an old school like um, level adjusting plugin. I think mainly for talk shows or podcasts. Not maybe not so much music, but I th that's the only other one I've experienced. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's there a few. Too, I believe Alphonic. Is that one? Yeah, I think so. I've, okay. I've, I mean, I haven't used them, but I've heard of them. I think there's a few specifically for podcasts. And I think I think maybe leveling speech uh, is a kind of, I would imagine that's a kind of a small enough niche yeah. of what you do in mastering or what gets done in mastering that, that that could work reasonably well in an automated way. Well, I mean, I'm saying this. So Lander works reasonably well, okay. prov providing you use the low intensity setting. You know, when I tried it, I mean, if anybody wants to, there's a there's a uh, a blog post where people can uh, there's a video where I demonstrate the differences between my master and the others, and people can listen for themselves and make up their own minds. My ultimate, uh, I'm giving away the punchline, but my my ultimate decision was that, uh, yeah, on the low intensity setting, Lander did an okay job. Um, I still felt my master was better, but then I would, um, and I. I've had lots of comments from people since then, and, and the majority also think that my master is better. Um, That's because Ian deletes the ones that say it's not. Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm giving away my secrets. Um, did, did you actually put up both and uh, have people compare them? Yeah, there's a, cool. there's a video where you can hear. Well, I, I haven't actually put up the files because I don't have permission to give away the, the song. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, there's a YouTube video where where I have the three of them lined up and I give pretty detailed comparisons between them. Um, and you know, the question is, I mean, at the time, I think now Lander is, it's more expensive. Um, at the time there was a free service where you could get an MP3 back, um, for almost no money, hmm. um, well for free <laughs> and the, but it was only an MP3. Whereas, I mean, 
well, I would charge infinitely more money than free right. because any amount of money is infinitely more. But I think now it's something like there's a there's a subscription thing. They, I don't know, it's it's fifteen dollars a month or a week or something um, for unlimited songs. So you know, I'm a to use me as a mastering engineer is a lot more expensive than using sure. Lander. And the question is for for anybody listening, is the difference between in the quality between the two worthwhile? Um. Now, I would say whatever service the guy who bought Podnuts is using uh, is probably not fit for purpose. You know, I mean, if it if you're uploading speech and it literally chops off half a second of every bit of audio because of some kind of, you know, misaligned auto gate right. function or something, that's, that, that's to me, is something that's broken. Um, I would also say that on the medium and high intensity settings, when I tested it, lander did more damage than good really i would say both of those versions to me were unacceptably uh distorted um now the interesting thing was when i did the video the guys from lander actually reached out to me um you know and because you know i think it was it was a balanced fair video it wasn't like i was bashing their service you know i was i was quite upfront about the fact that I, i was kind of pleasantly surprised i expected it to be a complete disaster sure um and on the medium and high settings it was, but on the low intensity setting it wasn't. Um, and they kind of they were kind of trying to tempt me in and, and, and saying, "Hey, come and help us make it better, you know, come and um, work with us to try and 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 I to some extent I found that appealing because you know I I love a challenge, I love solving problems. Yeah, um, it's kind of part of the mastering mindset. <laughs> is you know you have every every song is is a new challenge in terms of getting it from where it is to where you think it should be um but also kind of i've done enhanced cds and dvds and blu-ray over the years and and running a website and you know doing a podcast all of these kind of things i like doing new stuff so yeah the idea of getting involved with them was kind of interesting and i do think that a large proportion of what gets done at the mastering stage is you know, I'm always, in, I personally am always aiming for a consistent level. Um, I'm aiming for a reasonably consistent EQ balance. You remember that episode where I was kind of, I had my arms stretched out and said, you know, here's the whole of the sound that you could possibly record. And then yep. here's what's released and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I think given that you're going for quite a narrow range of what is correct and or optimal in terms of sound, that feels like something that you ought to be able to automate right. up to a, up to a point. The, the the problem I have with Lander, and actually the reason that I didn't get involved in the end, is it's actually quite fundamental, which is I just feel it's not mastering, which is why it's part of an episode that's called Not Mastering. Um, it's, you know, it it's, it's more like uh, a Photoshop wizard. You know, those things where you kind of, or um, in... Apple's photo app, whatever that is, you kind of, you, you click the, the magic wand button mm-hmm. and it, you know, it takes out the red eye, it brightens up the colors. Um, it kind of, you get a better kind of contrast from the thing. Um, and then you can go in with the clone tool and kind of fiddle around and stuff. But the automated stuff, you know, eight or nine times out of 10, it gives you a great result. And the, then the ninth or 10th time, you know, it, it looks bizarre. You, everybody's skin turns red, so they look like they're beetroot or something, or 
they've got a suntan, you know, or or the sky kind of burns out and your face goes really dark or, right. you know, something bizarre happens. Um, it just doesn't, you do it to a nighttime scene and it, it kind of completely bleaches it out, completely overexposes the image, something. And that's because it's a computer following rules. It's not a person making artistic decisions about a photo. And so that's it, what went, it went against your principles, in essence? Well, the, the, the thing is they market Lander as, as professional mastering. You know, it's, it's get that professional, and they have blog posts on their site on what is mastering, and they take you through all of it. And then they say, click here to get started with Lander. And that's the bit where if if they would, I understand why they're calling it that, because that's that's the marketing spiel, right? If you say to people, you know, automated mastering for a fraction of the cost of a professional mastering engineer, that's an appealing sales pitch. That's right. But I feel that's really misleading. If they said, you know, automated audio optimization, I'd be much more comfortable with it. Because right. that's what it is to me. It's like a Photoshop, you know, it's like an auto function in Photoshop yeah. or... You know, um, it makes sense. So if they didn't call it mastering, you'd be fine with it. Yeah, exactly. That's and it. you know, I mean, I I haven't used Aftermaster or uh, like I say, there's two or three others, and who knows, maybe they are even better than Lander. And I'm sure this stuff will improve over time. You know, they didn't manage to get me to go in and help them get better results, but I, I genuinely think they want to get better results. Um, oh, and that's another interesting thing is that they. Because because I I did have a bit of a a rant about the fact that they were making stuff unnecessarily loud. You know, I mean that that low, their low intensity setting was as loud as I would ever have mastered anything, really? give or take it, give or take a dB, um, in the genre that that I had. Um, so for me, the the mid and high are just feeding into the loudness war and all the rest of it. Uh, and they kind of you know they said we completely agree with you we know this is a problem, but the feedback that we get from our users is they always want it louder. Right. That's, you know, the big goal is for them to want it louder. You and can't fault anything. Yeah. As far as that goes, you can't fault them for that. Well, I mean, if there's, I, a, I, if there's I, a demand for something and they're making a product and this is what their, their people say they want. They got to give it to them if that's their business. Well, that's the, that's the pure capitalist view. I would say that there are times when morally, no, you shouldn't, you know, I mean, if, if what people want is sarin gas or, um, you know, automatic weapons for teenagers or whatever, it, you know, there are things that where you don't give the customer what they want. And I, I kind of think an automated process that smashes the life out of their music, you know, it's not life or death, but it's, you know, I, I don't master stuff louder than I believe the music deserves. Um, I guess maybe I'm excessively hardcore on that i don't either point of view i don't either but you know it depends it, it, on the business yeah and it, well i mean it's it, it, it is it's it's a rational business point of view so you know it's not like you know it's it's clearly it's not illegal yeah you know, <laughs> that's right um right. so and, and i guess you know as i say over time these services are going to improve so maybe right. one day i'll be obsolete but i you know my philosophy is mastering is the process of a person listening to music and and reacting to it and uh trying to to get the best from it and to help you know the the artist and the, the producer and the engineer achieve their goals um it's not a kind of cookie cutter process of just kind of churning stuff out however much sometimes it might seem like that um so that's that's kind of 
not mastering part one. Not mastering part two is is the not mastering that Iron Maiden and Stephen Wilson apparently do, and that you mentioned, um, which I, is yeah. not mastering your music at all. Right. Um, and of course, that's an option. You know, I mean, nobody says you have to have your music mastered. Um, if your mixes are good enough, it won't need mastering. Um, I mean, what's f fascinating to m me about that is there have been, so there have been numerous occasions in my career where I've, you know, people have brought something into me and I put, I think this sounds fantastic. You know, this, I don't need to do anything to this. Um, and then usually what happens is they kind of say, well, I'm here now. I have four hours booked with you. Just listen through and see if there's anything that you would do. And then you start to listen more closely and you go, well, you know, since you ask, I guess we could tweak this and you could do, and you make these tiny little changes and actually it ends up uh, having a huge benefit. Hmm. So I would say the number of times when I have literally just not done anything at the mastering stage, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably less than 10 times ever, you know? Yeah. Um, Sometimes the changes have been really small. Um, and I guess you could say, well, actually, maybe they, they weren't technically necessary. Um, but but that's me. That's I'm, I'm a mastering engineer. That You know, that's my job. And that's dealing with somebody who is committed to the idea of mastering. What I would say about the Iron Maiden albums, I mean, I've only heard one of them, but the one that I heard, I think they blew it. I think um, I listened to that and I think... Yeah, it sounds all right, but it could have sounded so much better if it had been mastered. Um, and I don't know where they kind of came from, what it was that motivated them to to make that decision to not use a mastering engineer. Um, maybe they had some kind of bad experience or whatever it was. And there is this kind of a certain amount of anti-mastering sentiment out there. There's a lot of people complaining about remasters, which I do understand. Um, if, if a classic album that you love, and we talked about this briefly in a previous episode, I think, uh, mentioned Elvis, you know, if if a, if an album that you love is is quotes remastered and ends up sounding wrong to you in some way, that's that's a fail basically. Um, I would tend to say that in that case, probably it wasn't a sufficiently sensitive mastering job. You know, you you shouldn't ever change something so much that it sounds wrong to the to the people who know uh, it and love it. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, to me. I agree with you to a certain extent, but a remaster, it should sound different because you're remastering it. And I'm sure a, a percentage of the people are going to like it and a percentage aren't because it's not what they're used to. But then it's not like the first one doesn't exist anymore. Go listen to the first one. This is the remaster. Not It's not for you if you don't well, like it. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, I would say, so the first thing I would say is it has to sound better. I don't, I don't think different for its own sake it is worthwhile. You know, it has to... It has to be, there has to be a benefit to the process. Um, and I guess that's subjective. Right. But the other disadvantage is that these days in the online, like now, you can't listen to the original master of Nevermind um, on Spotify or I don't think on Apple Music because they replace the old versions with the newly remastered versions. They did. When, when was that remastered? That A uh, couple of years ago, two or three years ago. Really? What did um, they do to it? It's the EQ. I mean, it's interesting because it's a Bob Ludwig um, master, and um, he's a great engineer. Um, I think he was. It's not stupid loud, which is a good thing. 
I actually prefer the EQ. I think the EQ sounds fuller and uh, warmer and bigger. Um, so I like the EQ, but I, the, I'm not a huge fan of the dynamic processing. Um, I think it's it's lost a little bit of kind of life and... Yeah. Um, I mean, so just as an example, the snare, when I listen to the original, every snare hit is slightly different because it's, it's you know, it's a, a real person playing the drums. Um, and whereas the mastered version just sounds, it's more under control. There's more consistency from snare hit to snare hit. Hmm. And I feel like, did we need that? It's, you know. Um, sure, David Grohl didn't like that. Well, you say that, but I mean, all of their latest stuff is mastered to the hilt like is it really you know yeah it's all of the foo fighters stuff that's it's one of my pet hates you know the um it wasn't foo fighters it was queens of the stone age yeah. um oh what's that famous i can't remember the name of that song i know the song but i don't know the name of it yeah i, I love that song i love that riff i love the 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 the, the melody to it that the whole thing but the mastering just well i say mastering i don't know where it was done it could have been done in the mix the sound of it it's like the drums are in this little box mm. and they can't escape <laughs> um it's a really i mean it's, it's 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 funny because um somebody asked me about the stereophonics album a little while ago um and i listened to it and i say thought oh that's one of the reasons i don't like their stuff is the sound is the mastering mm. but i had never kind of realized before you know i heard their stuff a, a load of times and, and not kind of equated it anything to do with the sound but queens of the stone age and these days foo fighters as well foo fighters are not quite as bad as as that album but no one knows that's the name of the song okay um or nobody knows and yeah that's one of the ones that just kind of leaps out at me is like oh if only they hadn't done that um so yeah dave Grohl would probably be he probably was involved actually with the remastering of Nevermind. i wouldn't you know not, I would imagine. Not, yeah, not that I care what he thinks. Because he, he yeah, seriously, he, he bashes on electronic music, and I don't know if he's ever tried to make it, but it's a lot more difficult than he would think, I imagine. Uh, that's interesting, yeah. Because I, I have mixed feelings about him, because a lot of the stuff that he says I agree with, um, you know, I love the fact that he's kind of romanticizing the whole band in a studio idea yeah. and, and real musicians. It's like, I, I, I don't feel real musicians in any way. I mean, I love electronica as well. Um, and I, I think the two, you know, obviously can exist side by side and kind of join together and bounce ideas off each other and all the rest of it. Sure. Um, but yeah. And then, and can he, so he's talking about, you know, analog recording and going back to the old days and all the rest of it. And then everything gets kind of put through this sausage machine at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of think really, um, so yeah, a little bit of a Dave Grohl tangent there, but um, so yes, people have um, a beef about remasters, which I understand. Um, it certainly, I have heard uh, the remasters of the Soundgarden albums just are horrible. Really? What a yeah, shame. You just, I know because because they were such great records sonically as, to to begin with, um, and yeah, it's just unbelievable what's been done to them. So there are definitely bad remasters. And that kind of stuff, plus the loudness war, has got mastering engineers a bad name. And if you kind of add in some kind of other personal experience that an artist or whoever has had, 
then I can see the argument for not using a mastering engineer. The other reason for not using a mastering engineer would be if you're Stephen Wilson, you're so damn good, you don't need one. <laughs> um, you know, the... I mean, actually, that's what, I, that's what I like, and that's what I respect. Sorry to cut you off. I mm -hmm. love, I love trying to make the mix perfect because it should be. It's your mix. I mean, and it's it's you're basically taking ownership of your song. I I don't like the fact, and never have that. I want another set of ears to hear it. I call me selfish. I don't know what it is, but this whole let's get another set of ears to hear it thing to me. I don't know. I don't. I never liked that. I never agreed with it fully. I'm like, it's my song, and I want it to sound like this. So this is how it's going to sound. I guess I'm always striving to learn more and become better at mixing. And I think if you do become as good as, um, you know, mixing engineers who could just crush it on on their mixes, I think it's something I strive for. So I, I don't. I don't like the whole that another set of ears hear it type thing. He's a control freak, ladies and gentlemen. It might be that. It might be that. <laughs> Just as a complete little tangent, isn't it interesting the use of the phrase crush it as, you know, that meaning a good thing? Yeah. I wonder whether that's a consequence of the loudness war. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, yeah, I, I can relate to that. And, and actually, to an extent, I agree with you. I, even if you intend to have your music mastered, I think you should still try and get the mix to be the best it can possibly be. Yes. You know, I, I ha I've said before that kind of, I feel it's been a benefit to me having started out as a mastering engineer because knowing what can be done in the mastering stage, I stop worrying about in the mixing stage and I leave it to be done. But the things that I leave to be done are not, I think the, the problem is people leave all kinds of stuff yeah. at the mixing stage, imagining that it's somehow going to be fixed at the mastering stage. And and that's where there's a problem, you know. I think, you know, overall issues of loudness, the overall EQ balance, uh, those two things, it's fair enough to kind of not agonise about those at the mixing stage and it's helpful to not have to worry about those. But, um, yeah, to, to kind of, to let too much slide in the... Yeah, you know, I have people coming to me and saying, oh, should I take... I'm just starting out mixing. Do you think I should take the mastering course... Um, and I kind of, on the one hand, I don't want to say no, because they're going to pay me to take the mastering course. And that's a good thing for me. But on the other hand, the honest answer is you should probably get some good experience mixing under your belt first. I mean, I guess maybe the same thing applies to them as it did to people who started out in Ambi Road and to me, you know, maybe if you do the mastering course first, then when you get to the mixing stage, um, you, you'll, you, that will be a benefit as well. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with recommending mastering first. They're going to have to learn. If they want to do both, they're going to have to learn both. Who cares about the order? Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe I should stop worrying about it. But You'll make more money. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm sold. <laughs> um, the, But even then, yeah, at the point where you, even if you did the mastering first, it doesn't mean you can somehow not mix. Right. Um, you know, I mean, except, another little tangent, I mean, another common thing that keeps coming up is, you know, people say to me, oh, can I use mastering process on the stereo mix bus? Um, and my answer to that is, well, yes, you can, but I don't recommend that you do. Because let's say, for example, you put a multiband compressor on the stereo output bus. That is going to, to a certain extent, do some mixing for you. You know, it's if your mix is too full in the mid-range, the multiband will sort it out for you. Um, the problem is then when you disable that multiband, your mix falls to pieces. And you have nothing. And if you ever have to work in a situation where you don't have 
a multiband or that particular multiband that you know how to use perfectly available to you, then you're stuck. And then suddenly you're, all the limitations of your mixing are going to uh, it's going to unravel in front of your eyes, you know, and you're going to find yourself kind of going, I don't have my crutch. Um, I mean, it's, I guess you could say the same thing about bus compression and lots of the the very best engineers in the history of the business use lots of stereo bus compression on the mix bus. Right. Um, and their mixes wouldn't sound the same without that. Right. So maybe I'm just being too finicky when I say that, but I guess... I mean, another reason is, you know, lots of people are approaching me in a kind of wanting to learn stuff mindset. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you want to learn to be a better mixer, learn to be a better mixer. Don't use stuff that could be used as a as a, a bandage at the the end of the process and, and miss out on the opportunity. You know, if you're always mixing into a multiband compressor that's making your life easier by keeping things under control, you're never going to realise the other skills that you could have learned if it wasn't there. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so, yes, definitely try and just mix to the very best of your ability and get the very best you can. And if you're good enough, it may be that you don't need a mastering engineer. Having said that, um, I mean, this is supremely arrogant of me, but I genuinely... So unlike you, Ian. <laughs> Do you think I'm arrogant? Oh, no, no, no. no. I mean, I'm crestfallen. <laughs> Being sincere, how dare you? <laughs> uh, go ahead, what were you going to say? In my not-so-humble opinion, <laughs> um, well, so the, the the two Stephen Wilson albums that I know he didn't have mastered, one of them is uh, The Raven That Refused to Sing, which is a masterpiece for anybody who likes a bit of proggy, melodic rock and doesn't know about it. Go and find it. It's amazing. I actually don't... I'm I'm completely happy listening to the sound of that album. Um, the album that came after it, the name of which now escapes me, is his last album. Um, I think would have benefited from from mastering because really? I think the EQ. Well, for me, the EQ is just a little bit dry, a little bit hard, a little bit clinical. You know, if it had been warmed up in the very low end a little bit and maybe just just rounded out a little bit. I would like it even more. I mean, it sounds great. It sounds amazing. Um, and if he's the artist, if that's what he wants it to sound like, right. then fair play to him. But I think it sounds thinner and drier than The Raven Who Refused to Sing, which I think sounds amazing. So I guess it's okay to have different sounds for different records, but yeah. So, so for my taste, um, I kind of feel like... And it wouldn't necessarily even be... Well, okay, so now we hit the maxim. Cool. If I if I say that, I'm going to give away the maxim. The maxim is, if you don't want to master your music, that's fine. But deciding not to master it is still mastering, right? If I if I get a session where somebody brings in and I sit there and I listen through to the whole thing and I go, that's it, I don't need to do anything, and we just put in the PQ bar points for the starts and ends of the tracks, and the job's done, I'm still going to charge them their money. Because they they still took the time, paid me for my time to come up with the opinion that it was perfect. And I f still feel that I have mastered it, even though I didn't do any work. Because if any work had been needed, I would have done it. You know, my job as a mastering engineer is to ensure that it is the best it can be. And yeah. if it already is, 
That's great. Now, plus you actually, listen to it, you put some time into it. In real life, I probably would at least give them a discount. But, um, you know, kind of in theory, that's my position. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies to anybody listening to this. If you decide that you don't need a mastering engineer or you don't want a mastering engineer and you're going to send it to Lander, even though, in my opinion, it hasn't been mastered, it has. Because by sending it to Lander and accepting what comes back, you are effectively becoming the mastering engineer. It's just that instead of using some plugins and processing in your own DAW, you've used an automated procedure somewhere, right? So are you saying that everything is mastered? Yeah, because if you... if So so you have, a, you have an album that is a collection of 10 songs. Um, you put them in the right running order. You listen through to it and you go, yep, that's as good as I can possibly get it. That was mastering, right? Because the decision not to do anything... I mean, I guess I'm, I, you, I'm, we're getting into the... Actually, this is a point to answer yeah. a reader question, uh, a listener question. Yeah. Somebody sent me uh, a message. Let me see if I can get it right. Um, they wanted to know the difference between mastering and pre-mastering, which is not something that I've mentioned before, but you do hear this term pre-mastering. And the answer is, strictly speaking, mastering is the process of making the master. And that happens at the plant, right? That's when the master tape gets transferred to the laser beam recorder um, and it creates, oh, I don't know enough about the process to go into the technicalities of it, but it, it, you make the, the stampers from which the molds are made that can then press the actual discs, right? That is mastering. What we do in a mastering studio is, strictly speaking, pre-mastering, meaning the post-production phase, the bit that happens before it gets turned into a master for pressing. Is that um, their question or does pre-mastering have another definition that he was thinking of? Because I, I don't I don't even know what it is. Is, well, what, you, was, is what you just said pre-mastering or what does he think it is? Well that, that's my understanding of it. Okay. I've never heard I've never heard the term pre-mastering used to mean anything else. Okay. Um in the sense so you do sometimes hear people talking about what I call mastering and what most people call mastering. It's really what, what, what this show is about. It's, they refer to it as pre-mastering. I see. And if and if they said that, I wouldn't argue with them because, technically speaking, that's true. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, by by making the decision to get to the point where you, you know, by saying these are the files that I'm going to upload or this is the disc that I'm going to burn copies of, you mastered it. Pre-mastered. Um, pre-mastered it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and so the maxim, just to reiterate, is to do that intentionally. Be aware that at the point where you decide, I've done enough, that was the mastering, you know, that that right. happened. You basically, at that point, you uh, relinquish any responsibility. You know, the, the Iron Maiden guys effectively... Uh, had a substandard, in my opinion, mastering job on those albums because they chose not to get anybody to try and improve them any further. Right. Um, and that's absolutely their choice. But it is, it's a choice and it's, you know, I, I said this before and somebody said they liked it and I'm going to say it again. Uh, make good decisions, get good results. Hmm. Sometimes not mastering the music or not putting it through a further process is a good decision. Other times it's not. And probably getting it mastered by a computer on a server somewhere on the other side of the planet is never a good decision. <laughs> but then I would say that. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Very cool, man. That was a great show and a great ending. Dramatic. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Excellent. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. Well, if you guys want to find out more about us and read the show notes, leave us a comment. Also sign up for our newsletter. Head on over to themasteringshow.com and uh, you can do all those things there. You could also find us in other places. Like where, Ian? Like iTunes, uh, wherever you find your podcasts of choice, we will be there. And while you're there, please leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, if you want to check out my website, there are links in the show notes on themasteringshow.com, or you can go straight to productionadvice.co.uk. Uh, if you would like to say hello, then you can find me at Ian Shepherd on Twitter or on Facebook. Just search for me, you'll find me. There you go. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. No, you can't say that. Really? You say absolutely? You say absolutely. I didn't say anything that you said. You said thanks for listening. I did? Yes. Oh, man. I, that's so subliminal. I don't mean to do that. All right. <laughs> Let me say something else. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks, guys, for listening. You said it again. You said enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy you said You said thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're programmed. <laughs> Well, that's going to be it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening.